0: You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to listen in today. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Mr. Michael Pento. I caught up with Michael this past week as he was traveling. I'll get Michael's take on what's going on with stocks, bonds, and the U.S. economy. That will be coming up in segments two and three. I do have available the December special report titled IRA 401k and other retirement plan strategies for 2023. If you've not yet requested the report, I would encourage you to do so. All you need to do to get your copy of this free report is visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website again is requestyourreport.com. When you visit the website, you'll just be asked at what address you want to receive the report as well as the bonus information. And uh, once you give us that address, we'll be glad to send you out all this information absolutely free and with no further obligation. Included in the information is a copy of my best-selling revenue sourcing book that contains a retirement planning strategy for the post-pandemic economy. So to get the December 22, 2022 special report titled IRA and 401k and other retirement plan strategies for 2023, as well as the revenue sourcing book and other bonus information. Again, visit requestyourreport.com. You know, when you take a look at what's happened this year, and I'll, I'll chat about this in the next couple segments with my special guest, Mr. Michael Pento, the Fed has literally seen uh, interest rates uh, at their hand move from 0% to more than 4%. Now, the goal, of course, with the Fed increasing interest rates is to get inflation under control. And while there are a number of politicians that over the past few months have taken victory laps stating that inflation is now under control, I would beg to differ. If you have been to the grocery store, you probably feel exactly the same way. I have said on many occasions in the past that to get inflation under control, you have to have real positive interest rates. Now, there is no disputing the fact that as interest rates have gone up, the U.S. economy has slowed. Stocks, for example, have had a miserable year. Uh, We had negative economic growth officially in the first two quarters of this year. Uh, I believe that, uh, as does my next guest, I believe we'll head back there again next year so the question is this and it's a very important question if you're trying to figure out how to manage your ira money if you're trying to figure out the best way to manage your 401k money you need to think about what the fed is going to do will the fed as the economy continues to weaken will the fed reverse course and reduce interest rates and engage in more quantitative easing or currency creation If you believe that is the case, then I think we will see more inflation. On the other hand, if you think the Fed will be resolute and allow the economy to suffer while getting inflation under control, because it's the only way inflation can be brought under control, then you're going to see an economy that continues to deteriorate. So the question is, what will the Fed do? Well, the answer is, we don't really know. I am going to give you my take in this segment, and I'm going to do that uh, by sharing with you a bit from an article that was authored by Egon von Greyertz of Matterhorn Capital this past week. Uh, But again, I would encourage you to get the information uh, this month, the December Special report, IRA, 401k, and other retirement plan strategies also uh, will come with a revenue sourcing book that will give you strategies to allow you to plan for both of these outcomes, one of which I believe is inevitable. Now, Mr. Von Greyerts, uh starts his article with a quote from the book 1984, written by George Orwell. That quote is this. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. Now, Von Greerz draws our attention to government finances after stating or restating that quote from George Orwell. He says we're entering the end of an era where deficits and debts are running out of control. In other words, he thinks we're close to a reset point. He said, and as we reach this point, the truth becomes an inconvenience to governments, and therefore, the truth has to be suppressed or rewritten. Now, he gives an example of the, he calls it doublespeak, I would agree, in regard to the 2021 and 2022 budget deficit. Now, as it relates to this budget deficit, here's what Reuters reported. Quote, the U.S. government on Friday, and I should point out this Reuters article is from October 21 of this year. So again, quote, the U.S. government on Friday reported that its fiscal 2022 budget deficit plunged by half from a year earlier to $1.375 trillion due to fading COVID-19 relief spending and record revenues fueled by a hot economy but student loan forgiveness, forgiveness costs limited the reduction. The U.S. Treasury said the $1.4 trillion reduction in the deficit was still the largest ever single-year improvement in the U.S. fiscal position as tax receipts reached $4.9 trillion, up $850 billion, or 21%, from fiscal 2021. Now, if you were to read that article in a newspaper written by Reuters or distributed by Reuters, a very reputable source, you would say, wow, isn't that great? But the math will tell you that that article contains only some truths. See, if the deficit was 1400000000000 trillion, wouldn't it make sense that the federal debt would only increase by that same amount? Yet, during this time frame when the deficit was allegedly only $1.4 trillion, why did the debt increase by $2.5 trillion? Well, it kind of brings you back to that Orwell quote, doesn't it? Every record has been destroyed or falsified. See, the reality is the deficit wasn't halved at all. Instead, half of it was stated below the line, below the bottom line, as a budget adjustment. So the budget deficit amount reported was not true, but the actual amount of debt that was reported, at this point anyway, was true. And some of you may remember that the Clinton budget surpluses in the late 1990s were really a result of creative count- accounting. There really were no surpluses because the debt continued to grow. Von Greyer says this kind of reminds us of the Mark Twain quote. There are lies, damned lies, and statistics. Now, Von Greyer points out, and I would certainly agree, that it seems that there are storm clouds on the ro- on the horizon for 2023. He points out that in the United Kingdom, many ordinary people cannot afford to keep their heating on or to eat properly, and this is before winter has reached its peak. He adds the situation in Ukraine seems to to deteriorate with Russia and the U.S. involved, as well as China and the periphery, and it could easily escalate. But the big problem is this. $300 trillion of global debt and $2 quadrillion of quasi-debt in the form of derivatives. Now, von Greyertz is of the opinion, as am I, that the Fed will at some point pivot, and he goes so far as to predict that currencies will have to go to zero and sovereign borrowers will default. Now, the eternal truth is that if there is too much debt to be paid, it will not all be paid, and that is certainly the case when you look at $300 trillion of global debt. You have to assume that a default will have to take place at some point in some form. That is indisputable. Ernest Hemingway said, You go bankrupt gradually and then suddenly. John Grayards points out, referencing the Hemingway quote, that the beginning can be a slow process, but then at some point the shot comes so fast that no one will have time to react. And to go back to the Hemingway quote, if you go broke gradually and then suddenly, we have to assume that we are now in the gradual phase to be followed by the sudden phase at some point here in the future. Now, von Graerts points out that the Western world hasn't really experienced a real bear market in stock since 1929 to 1932. When the gradual phase becomes the sudden phase, you have to assume that we will see another real bear market that will rival that bear market of 1929 to 1932. And it's important to point out that it took 25 years until 1954 for the Dow to recover to the 1929 high. So this suddenly, according to von Greyertz, will be like an earthquake, seemingly coming out of nowhere. And I would agree that that will be the case. That's why I would encourage you to get the December special report, the IRA, 401k, and other retirement plan strategies for 2023. Because with the report will be the revenue sourcing book, which will contain strategies for the environment in which we now find ourselves. To get the report, requestyourreport.com is the website. I'll return after these words with Mr. Michael Pento. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is the host of the Midweek Reality Check podcast, Mr. Michael Pento. Michael is also the founder of Pento Portfolio Strategies. You can learn more about the Midweek Reality Check podcast as well as Michael's work at Pento Portfolio Strategies at PentoPort.com. And we're catching up with Michael today as he is driving. So, uh, Michael, uh, I appreciate you multitasking, and I know the listeners do as well. Welcome back to the program.
1: Thanks for having me back on the program, Dennis. No problem.
0: Hey, uh, let's just jump in, uh, Michael. Let's, let's talk about uh, your current assessment of the U.S. economy. Are we in a recession?
1: Well, we were in a recession. uh, The first half of 2022 had two quarters back-to-back of a negative growth. Of course, that was dismissed by the mainstream financial media. Hey, don't worry about that. Labor's still strong, blah, 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 blah. All right, then we're going to have two quarters of positive growth. One in Q3, we had one, and we'll have one minor positive Q4. But then we're going to go right back into a recession in 2023. You know, Dennis, don't forget that we have had, for the better part of the last 12 years, negative interest rates in real, in a real sense, and in a nominal sense, less than 1%. For most of that duration, from the end of 2008, December of 2008, all the way through to 2017, interest rates were below 1%. Then they went to 25 for a brief stint, and then they went back to zero very quickly in early 2020, where they have remained there since till March of this year, but now we have the most aggressive Fed tightening cycle in history. They have gone from 0%, effectively 0, in March of this year to 5% by March of 2023. That is the most aggressive rate hike regime in history. And you add on to that the fact that they are burning, the Fed is burning $95 billion a month now. That started in September. $95 billion a month from the base money supply. And that is why we see M2 shrinking for the first time in history from a growth rate of a record high 27% in 2021. So the fuel for asset bubbles is gone. We are now in a very tight monetary policy regime, and we will have a very steep, in my opinion, a very steep and acute recession in the first half of 2023.
0: So, Michael, as I have been interviewing a lot of uh, very smart folks like yourself, uh, I, I seem that there seems to be two schools of thought here. One, that the Fed will maintain the course. They'll stay the course. They will sacrifice the the, the, the economy. They'll get inflation under control. Uh, they'll maintain the integrity of the dollar. The other school of thought seems to be that the Fed will pivot and – you know, forget the dollar. Let's try to save the economy. Uh, w- would you identify with either of those schools of thought, and why?
1: Well, th- well, both are true. Why do you have to pick one? The Fed right now. I mean, it's the, this is the benefit of having an active money manager like myself. I don't, I'm not married or wedded to any philosophy. You know, the dollar is going to go down. Gold is going to go to the moon, or gold's going to go down. The dollar is going to uh, uh, g- crash or go to the moon. I don't. I don't have those kind of set dogmas in my trading philosophy. I look at the second derivative of inflation and growth, the rate of change of the rate of change of inflation and growth. And they're both headed sharply lower right now because the Fed is, as I just laid out very succinctly, the most hawkish regime of monetary policy tightening since 1913. So right now you have to invest to be very defensive because the Fed is fighting inflation. That's their number one priority. And they will continue to do so until something breaks. And I don't like when people say that. So I'd like to put a little more meat on the bones. until the credit market freeze, until you can't float commercial paper any longer until the collateralized loan market freezes, the leveraged loan market breaks, the money market funds start to dissolve. The shadow banking system starts to dissolve, pension plans, hedge funds, investment banks go under. Is Is, is that, It is that systemic risk that will then cause the Fed to pivot to being very, very dovish. But they'll do it more reluctantly and more slowly. They're going to be dragged into that. Hence, that is why I'm very defensively positioned now, but will be less so as 2023 waxes on, because you're going to see as the economy deteriorates faster and faster, and you see the credit crunch evolving, you've got to start getting positioned for a weaker dollar and a much better gold market.
0: So if you're just joining me, I'm chatting today with Mr. Michael Pento. Uh, he is the host of the midweek reality check podcast. Also the founder of Pento portfolio strategies. You can learn more at pentoport.com. So Michael, for our listeners, maybe that, uh, you you know, when you say something breaks, the, the credit markets freeze, uh, money market funds dissolve, uh, pension funds are in trouble. Uh, a lot, a lot of very uh, ominous statements or even forecasts, if I can push it that far, by you, just in that uh, short, uh, a little uh, explanation. Uh, what do you see breaking first?
1: Uh, probably the junk bond market is probably the first one. CLOs, leverage loans, and the junk bond market is probably first, but it's hard to predict. I, I mean, let's just let's just say this: we had a one percent. Fed, not a zero, a 1% Fed funds rate from 2003 to 2004. One year, Dennis, one year, which helped engender the real estate bubble, which broke, and then we had a collapse of the entire financial system, internationally, by the way. But we have had now 0%, as I said, for the better, better part of the last 14 years, 12 to 14 years have been. Zero to 1% around that level. It's just a short stint to two and a half in 2018. So, what do you think happened when that took? I mean, what kind of risk do you think that engendered? We see the housing market, for example. The, the, the K. Schiller SP National Home Price Index went to 300. 300. It peaked at 180 in 2006. We have the highest home prices. In history, even in relation to the Great Recession, and even in relation to income. So, home price to income ratios are the highest ever. That's just one bubble. We had a massive bubble in fixed income where we had negative nominal interest rates, where junk bonds in the United States traded 200 basis points below where treasuries normally trade. That bubble is bursting. Even in Japan, we learned today. That they can no longer maintain a twenty-five basis point, one quarter of one percent cap on their ten-year note, and they broke that. Now they doubled it. Now it's fifty basis points, a half of one percent. But that, you know, they say that genie's out of the bottle. Now the Bank of Japan is engendering inflation by printing trillions upon trillions upon trillions of yen, trying to maintain that peg. That no longer that's no longer, no longer a tenable situation. So now you have a situation where you could have. Rising bond yields in the United States, like you have had this year, and that is happening in the context of a recession, like you had in the first part of this year and will have in 2023. So you're not going to have that ballast from the bond market, perhaps, as you used to, at least not as so much on the longer end. That's why we have a very short position in long-duration treasuries. Most of our treasuries are shorter term because we're having a much better yield, getting a much better income stream there. So we had the bond market bubble, we had the housing market bubble, and of course in the on the equity front, we had equity prices, the valuation of equities were two hundred and twenty percent of the underlying economy at the start of this year. That is light years ahead of any other metric, that ratio, any other reading on that ratio in history. Just to give you an example, back in the start of the Great Recession, that ratio was just 100%, 104 to be exact, not 220 then. So you have all three bubbles engendered from those very artificially low interest rates, the printing of the balance sheet up to uh, $9 trillion. All those bubbles are now bursting. So we, how could we not, how could we avoid not having a recession and a bad one? I don't see it.
0: So Michael you mentioned at the outset at the beginning of this segment we've got time for just one more question here this segment uh, you, you mentioned at the outset that it's your belief we're heading for a deep recession can you maybe define that and, and how will the average person following the wall Street only advice of a sixty forty bucket of investments be affected
1: well normally in a recession Dennis uh, you'll see that uh, in an average recession earnings drop by thirty percent well Dennis, Wall Street now predicts earnings are going to grow in 2023 by 5%. So we have a a big trenchant mismatch between reality. If I'm right, and we have an average recession, earnings are going to plunge by 30%. And that's a a long way away from where they're predicted to rise to in 2023. So if you slap the 15 multiple on that, which is an average multiple, then you're going to get an S&P 500 around 3,000. We're at thirty-eight, thirty-nine hundred today on the S&P. It's still a long way to go on the downside. Uh, so uh, I would I would say that the sixty forty portfolio, as I mentioned before, sixty percent stocks, forty percent bonds. Neither one of those are going to work, especially stocks. But even the bond sleeve of that portfolio is not going to function the way it did in past recessions. And the only reason why that's true, or the main reason why that's true is because inflation is much higher than the Fed's asinine 2% target. It's three times higher than that right now. At least three times higher, the way they measure it.
0: Well, my guest today is Mr. Michael Pento. He is the host of the Midweek Reality Check podcast. He is the founder of Pento Portfolio Strategies. You can learn more about both at pentoport.com. The website, again, is pentoport.com. I'll continue my conversation with Michael when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me again on today's program is Mr. Michael Pento. Michael is the host of the Midweek Reality Check podcast. I'd encourage you to check it out at PentoPort.com. Michael is also an active portfolio manager and the founder of Pento Portfolio Strategies. You can learn more about his work at PentoPort.com. So. Michael, let's just talk for a minute about um, all the debt that exists uh, in the economy. You know, I think world, worldwide, I think there's $300 trillion in debt. Uh, if the Fed and other central banks around the world do reverse course, if they do become more dovish, do they have a prayer of kicking this can down the road further, in your view?
1: Well, I wrote a book in 2012, which was uh, derided by uh, most people um, who read it in the mainstream financial media, because. Um, I guess that's a badge of honor when you come to think of it. <laughs> but, but it didn't work for a long time. Uh, I mean, I, I predicted the reason why, it told you the reasons why the bond bubble was going to break. And the two reasons were, either the Fed, the Fed was eventually going to engender inflation, which would cause them to do one or two things. They would have to react and dramatically raise interest rates, which would be a de facto bursting of the, of the bubble. Uh, that would be the right thing to do. But I said if they ignored or if they got chickened out on that process, and they ignored inflation, then the long end of the yield curve would begin to rise intractably, because that is the, that is the part of the yield curve that is most concerned about inflation. Well, I think both of those things, both of those conditions are happening. So we have seen right now we see part one of the bursting of the bond bubble, which is causing yields to spike from zero percent on the on T bills, short term T bills, all the way now to four and a quarter, four and a half percent, going above 5% on the very short end of the curve, Fed funds rate, overnight interbank lending. Um, And then I think after they collapse the economy and the markets, particularly the credit markets, then they're going to start to slowly move back towards QE and ZERP, which will cause the long end of the yield curve to start to rise attractively. Don't forget, Dennis, and most people alive today in the financial industry weren't managing money in 1980 or in the seventies. So the mantra for decades was, Hey, inflation's dead. we can't, we can't engender it. We can't, we can't cause it to rise. We can never get to 2%. That was the main concern. But now everybody who's alive and managing money understands that inflation can go from 1% to 20%. If you count it accurately, very quickly, or at least from 0% or 1% to nine, the way the, Bureau of Labor Statistics counts it. So we already know. Helicopter money causes inflation to rise. We did that. We did did that to the tune of $6 trillion. So we know know that the psychology behind disinflation and deflation has been broken. So if they once again return to some form of government handouts that are monetized by the Federal Reserve, you're going to have inflation blow right past 9%. And go into the double digits and higher. Um, in that case, you can't have a long bond in the United States trading at 4% or 3%. It's going to go high, much higher alongside that. So there's a big problem coming. And if you don't aggressively monitor the dynamics between inflation and deflation and the machinations of our fiscal and monetary policy, you're going to be on the wrong side of that trade because there's going to be a time when you want to be long bonds and there's going to be a time you want to be short bonds and bond proxies. There's going to be a time when you need to be long base metals and energy and inflation hedges, and times you want to be short them, and that's what I try to do.
0: We're chatting to Mr. Michael Pento. His website is pentoport.com. So, Michael, uh, give us your take on uh, precious metals. You just mentioned precious metals uh, and and other inflation hedges. Um, What's your assessment now of gold and silver?
1: Well it's hard to answer that question because so I was long them early in 2022 and I sold most of my positions, I had a small five percent position in physical gold. Um, then gold uh, sort of flattened out and the miners crashed. I, I avoided most of that de- that you know debacle. I then went back into the miners for a quick trade a few weeks ago, and I then exited that trade. So I'm now actively trading the miners. Um, the miners are up big today of the fact that the dollar is weaker based on the Bank of Japan's actions. Um, but I, I think that you're going to be in a trading market in gold until we get a clear manifestation of the recession. And once that happens, the door is going to be blown off for the uh, the gold market. You know, it, it, It's going to be a mad rush into physical gold and into the miners, because at that point, they're going to be front running the next ZERP and QE. From the Fed, and amazingly, Dennis, amazingly, I was shocked when I heard this. This was at the FOMC uh, conference in November, Mr. Powell stated, that he has no problem. He understands exactly how to fight deflation. He was asked a question about what happens if you over and what happens if the credit markets break and the stock market falls and you know goes into free fall? What would you do? He goes, well, we have no, we know how to fix that. That's easy to do. We'll just go back to QE and ZERP. He said that. He look it up. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, this person has learned absolutely nothing. He's learned absolutely nothing. He is willing to go back into the same policies that engendered the real estate debacle and the Great Recession and the plunge of economic growth and earnings and real estate and bonds and stock market that is to come in 2023, and it's already started to happen now, in late 2022. He's he's no, He's got no problem. What he should have said is, we've learned our lesson. We are not going ever going back to a regime of zero interest rate policy, ever. We will never go back to that. And to his credit, in the December meeting, he said, we're not going to cut rates in 2023, to his credit. That's his plan. But when, when the credit market screes, I want to see which Jerome Powell do we get. Do we get the Jerome Powell in the November press conference or the December press conference? Do we get the November press conference Powell or do we get the Brookings Institute interview Powell where he was talking about, hey, you know, we don't want to to hurt the economy and we don't want to, you know, raise the unemployment rate too high? So, you know, you have to follow what they – not what they say, what they do. And if you follow the monetary fiscal policies of the G3 nations, which are Europe, China, and the United States, I think you have a better chance of making money in this chaotic environment.
0: Well, we just have a few minutes left in this segment. Michael's a busy guy. So, Michael, what's your take on the big push uh, by governments and central banks around the world towards digital currencies, and what effect might that have on the metals markets moving ahead, if any? Do you have an opinion?
1: <laughs> yeah, I have, I have one opinion on it, and I've said it many times, and the opinion is this. If, if the central banks, the major central banks of the world, resort to a, CBDC, you're going to uh, circumvent the fiscal policy. In other words, if everybody gets a digital wallet and the Fed is responsible for putting digital money into that wallet, they can ascribe an interest rate to that money, negative as it may be. You have no choice but to have that negative interest rate affect your savings. In other words, right now, If I wanted to go to the bank and withdraw money because I was worried about a negative interest rate of, say, 10% in nominal terms, losing 10% of my assets in nominal terms, I have a choice. I I can withdraw my funds from the banking system and hoard dollars, okay? If we have a CBDC, the only thing I can do is either save my money in the bank or spend it. I have no choice. So the Fed will then have usurped control of both fiscal and monetary policies. That's my big fear so they can impose a digital a, a negative real interest rate and they can control fiscal policy by giving you money by increasing the amount of digital currency in your digital wallet that's my big fear I hope well, it doesn't happen
0: I'm sorry Michael we have time just just for one last one last question if we could Um uh, Real estate you mentioned that uh, you believe the real estate market's going lower do you, do you have a forecast how low does it go
1: lower <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't know how much lower it goes, but i can tell you. i'll tell you this it's going it's it's a it's going to go lower from a much higher level and it's going to go lower from a into a much weaker economy now the un, the only ballast or offsetting uh factor that might save real estate from going down 33% like it did during the Great Recession is that the underwriting standards are better. But I'll caveat that quickly by adding that Wall Street, in its infinite wisdom, owns 20 – you know, investors, I include Wall Street and investors into one bucket, owns 20 to 25% of all homes purchased over the last year or two. They, they So there's no shortage of homes. There's a shortage of common sense on Wall Street. Where people own multiple houses, single-family homes, one quarter or one fifth are owned by investors who, when you know, when people are paying their rent and the principal is going higher, everything's wonderful. My balance sheet looks great, and my income uh, cash flow looks, looks wonderful. But when people lose their jobs, stop paying rent, and the principal starts to erode and go down, then it's a double whammy, and you might see a lot of listings come on the market. So. Uh, lower it's not a good time to buy a house right now um unless you have to uh don't do it they're going lower in my opinion
0: well my guest today has been mr michael pento the website is pentoport.com michael thanks for joining us uh have a happy holiday season and a happy new year we'll catch up again after the first of the year god bless dennis thank you Bye-bye. we return after these words I'm Dennis Tubergen. you are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Glad you decided to listen in today. And thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Michael Pento, for joining us on today's program. If you're just tuning in, I do have the December special report available for you, along with some bonus information. The December report is titled, IRA 401k and Other Retirement Plan Strategies for 2023. When you request that report, I'll also get you a copy of my best-selling book, Revenue Sourcing, The Retirement Planning Strategy for the Post-Pandemic Economy. And the planning strategies outlined in that book uh, fit in nicely with the topics that we're covering on today's program. To get the December special report, to get the book along with other bonus information, you'll get it all absolutely free and with no further obligation of any kind. All you have to do is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. Requestyourreport.com, when you visit the website, you'll be asked where you'd like all this information to be mailed, and we'll be very glad to get this entire box of stuff out to you. So again, go to requestyourreport.com. You know, one of the affiliate authors at Shift Gold this past week wrote an article And the headline caught my eye. The headline is, everything is fine until it isn't. And many of you who have been listening to this program all year, and if you have been, thank you for making the program uh, grow significantly this year. Uh, I am deeply appreciative. But we've been talking about the fact that the U.S. economy is not in good shape. Well, this article author begins by saying something similar. He said, for months, me and a few others have been saying the economy is teetering on the brink of a collapse, but nothing has happened. Are we just wrong? He said it would be easy to conclude that we're crying wolf, but before you write us off, you might want to consider one other factor he said it's a bit like forecasting weather a meteorologist might know that a cold front is coming next week she can see the change in the in the atmosphere but knowing a cold front is looming and saying it will come through at precisely 10:30 a.m. on Wednesday are two different matters he said I'm certain an economic downturn is imminent because I can see it brewing in the economic atmosphere. But I can't tell you exactly when the crash will occur, nor can I predict exactly what will precipitate it. I have said that this in the past as well. I don't know what will be the catalyst for this downturn, but I do know as I mentioned in the first segment with 300 trillion dollars of debt worldwide that is up that's triple the worldwide debt that existed at the time of the financial crisis, this cannot have a happy ending. Now, this author at Schiff Gold points out there's plenty of data out there suggesting the U.S. economy is already in the midst of a downturn. In fact, this past week, there was more data that I found. An article published on December 20. Tuesday, December 20, pointed out that homebuilder sentiment is way down, home homebuyer sentiment is way down, housing starts are down, and forward-looking permits to build new homes are down 11.2% month over month. That's the ninth straight month of single-family housing permit declines. And multifamily permits now have also started to fall as well. So there is no shortage of data out there that tells us that the U.S. economy is weakening. Now, I thought that this article writer, as it relates to our topic of today's, on today's program, which is Will the Fed in the near term reverse course and start reducing interest rates and go back to a program of quantitative easing or currency creation, or will they stay the course and continue to let the U.S. economy weaken? I think to help answer that question, you have to go back to what got us here in the first place. Simply put, the U.S. economy at this point is addicted to easy money. The U.S. economy is addicted to artificially low interest rates. The U.S. economy is addicted to currency creation. And you can't take an addict's drug away without sending that addict into withdrawal. I mean, if you want to know what's going on today, it's helpful to study what's happened in the past. It's helpful to study history. After 9-11 and the dot-com bubble blowing up, the Federal Reserve dropped interest rates to 1%, which was, at the time, an all-time historically low level. Well, what happened? It didn't take too long, just a few years, and the housing bubble blew up. And then in 2004, the Fed began to increase interest rates to more normal levels. Those interest rates peaked at five and a quarter percent in 2006, which is a higher level than they are yet today. That's an important data point as well. But what happened? Well, it caused the housing bust and ultimately the financial crisis in 2008. The Fed now has interest rates back up over four percent. But here's the big difference between then. And now, today the bubbles are bigger. There is more debt. In the first segment of today's program, I talked about the fact that worldwide debt is over $300 trillion. That is a very hard number to get your arms around. And if the extent of the coming bust is commensurate with the extent of the boom, we're probably in for a pretty good bust. See, the more artificial an economy becomes, the more addicted to stimulus it becomes, the bigger the bubble can grow. So given that we have accumulated all this debt since the great financial crisis, which was caused by debt excesses, it becomes pretty clear that the US economy is headed for a reset. What I can't tell you and what nobody else can tell you either is when the reset will come and exactly what the reset will look like. If you're just tuning in, I've got some resources available for you that may help. It's the December 2022 special report. And when you order that report titled IRA 401k and other retirement plan strategies for 2023, I'll also send you a copy of my revenue sourcing book that contains planning strategies for today's economy. It contains planning strategies to help you deal with the coming inflation should the Fed reverse course and go back to currency creation, should they reduce interest rates again, or should they stay the course and we head for this reset. So again, go to requestyourreport.com, let us know where to mail that information, and we will be very glad to do so. Now, when you look at the dynamics from the time of the financial crisis, they are very similar to where they are today. Back in 2006 and 2007, people like Ron Paul, who's a past guest here on the program, Peter Schiff, also a past guest here on the program, were warning of a housing bust and a financial crisis, but the mainstream was insisting everything was fine. In fact, They were still insisting everything was fine when the Fed began cutting interest rates in September of 2007 because they knew there was a problem. The point here is that everything is fine until it isn't. And when something's artificial, it has to return to reality. So with that, I would invite you once again to go to the website, requestyourreport.com, get the December report as well as all the other free resources. That's my program for this week. Hope you got something you can use. Talk to you again soon.